special request. We're talking about Joshua this morning and, um, you know, I mean, who can't think of that song? If you know nothing else about Joshua, you know, hopefully, or perhaps, or maybe you're learning for the first time, um, this, this story of Joshua. But first, I want to thank Sarah for setting me up well. <laughs> I uh, start, you know, I, I can get really intimidated when I have to fi- follow somebody who can sing like that. And um, then I heard the words she was singing about trust, right? I mean, what are any of us doing if not trusting God for um, what it is we need, what it is we have, what it is we're looking towards. So um, I tried to listen to the words rather than to be intimidated today. Um, Anyway, you know, for this last week, I was reminded of an event about another wall 30 years ago and and where my place in history was in all of that, or if you will. And um, 30 years ago, I was sitting in the student center of a university in Madrid, Spain. Now, I was pretty good at the language by then. I had had many years of Spanish in school, and I had studied abroad in high school, was studying abroad in college. I thought God was calling me to be a missionary. God spoke Spanish, so Elizabeth needed to speak Spanish. I was committed. I knew the language. I was ready. But but 30 years ago this week, I was sitting there in the student center, and in comes a rush of students screaming about the wall. Screaming about the wall, and and I understood the words. I had no idea what they were really talking about. I understood the words, but I couldn't comprehend exactly what was going on. Why are they so excited about a wall coming down, for heaven's sake? Where is this wall? What does this wall signify? What is the symbolism of this wall? Most of those in the student center that day weren't even alive when this wall went up. But all of a sudden, folks in the student center got up and rushed to the door. At least the Spaniards who knew what was going on. And the rest of us foreign students were sitting there looking at each other. And of course, the whole event began to trickle out. And the train was standing room only from Madrid to Berlin because everybody wanted to be a part of history. Everybody wanted to be there while that wall came down. And whether you had a chisel or or, or a pickaxe or we saw these images years and years ago, folks wanted to be positioned for significance. People wanted to be positioned for this significant moment in life. Whether they had been there when it went up or not, they wanted to be there when it came down. Folks wanted to be involved in this pivotal moment. They wanted to witness history. They wanted to be a part of what was going on those days and weeks that followed the initial fall of the Berlin Wall. Now, as I said, it was kind of hard to start thinking about Joshua this week without thinking about what happened 30 years ago. But we have to admit, I think, or we at least acknowledge that a lot led up to the moment when the wall fell. A lot of goings on, a lot of doing, a lot of suffering, a lot of planning, a lot of negotiating, There were so many things that led to that one actual event, that pivotal moment, that I think we do well to consider the background or the story behind the story because it's always there and it's always important. 
So we turn to Joshua. I'm going to read the text in just a minute. We turn to Joshua on this Commitment Sunday. And what I want us to think about is all that goes into a miraculous moment. All that precedes the entrance into a future that God has planned for us. The entrance into the future, whether it be the ultimate promised land or the land we've been given right here, right now for ministry. What, all that goes into what God is calling us to do. The background story. And yes, as it is Commitment Sunday, I will say, I will tackle everybody's favorite subject, money, in the church. But this is not about money. This is not about budgets, although we have them. This is not about provision, although there's challenges, no doubt. What this is about is participation and positioning ourselves and being where God wants us to be to accomplish the future that God has in store for us. This is about writing our hearts, putting our hearts in the right place for the right time, putting our hearts into position to respond to what it is God would have us do. There's a lot going on before we move forward, before we follow and take that next step that God would have us take. So if you will stand, I'm going to be reading from Joshua 3. We're going to hear a little bit. Believe me, this background story has been going on for a long time, but we're going to hear a little bit about what God was doing just before Joshua marched around Jericho. So hear now this word from Joshua 3. Early in the morning, Joshua rose and set out from Shittim with all the Israelites, and they came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing over. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the priests, the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place. Follow it so that you may know the way you should go. For you have not passed this way before. Yet there shall be space between you and it, a distance of about 2,000 cubits. Do not come any nearer to it. For you see, the ark is the presence of God for the Hebrew people. The ark is the presence of God right in the midst of the people. So they were warned, don't come too close to it. But do this. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. To the priest, Joshua said, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on in front of the people. So they took the Ark of the Covenant and went in front of the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. You are the one who shall command the priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant. And when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And when the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan River, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan River overflows all of its banks throughout this time of the harvest. So when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped into the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still. 
rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is at Zithrim, while those following toward the sea of Ahab, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all of Israel were crossing over dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation had finished crossing over, following God all the way. You may be seated and let us pray. God, we expect a word from you this day. We trust you for our next step and the one after that. And the one after that, position us, Lord, so that we may hear a message from you. For it's in your name we journey. Amen. So we're looking at the prequel, if you will. The before story. What is it that has been going on in the lives of God's people before God begins to work wonders among them? Scholars believe that we have, the people of God, have gone through 650 years from the time when the covenant was originally made with Abram and Sarah to the time in which they are ready to cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. 650 years! We've only been here over 200 years. We've got another 400 years to go before we finally get there, right? From the time in which God created this covenant with God's people to the time when they finally were going to get there. 650 years of rivalry, sibling rivalries, of wars, of betrayal, of starvation, of slavery for 400 of those years, of exodus. Moses had come to the people, had come to Pharaoh, challenged the powers that be and said, it's time to let my people go and I'm taking them. 400 years and into the desert they went, following this one leader. 40 more years wandering in the desert. A lot had gone on for God's people. Challenge after challenge after challenge, no doubt. Blessing after blessing after blessing. For they knew that God had claimed them and set them apart. And so we meet them these, this morning on the banks of the Jordan, readying themselves for that final walk, for that final trip when they at last would av- arrive at the promised land. And of course, everything was just flowing with milk and honey after that. The world was perfect. They never had any more problems. Everything was as it should be because they were in their promised land, right? Wrong. But they followed because they were faithful. They followed not because God promised perfection in this lifetime. They followed because God promised them a future. And they followed because God promised them presence. And that's where the lesson transcends thousands and thousands of years. That's what keeps the word of God so spot on. God doesn't promise us a world, a life without challenge individually or as a community of faith. God does promise us a future and presence. And as I said, we've only gone over 200 of our years. We've got another 400 to go at least. God promises us a future 
And so when we step back and consider what it takes to get there, we begin to understand how it is we play a part in what God wants to do in this world. It's always been that way from the beginning of the covenant to this day. So God says to the people, and it's interesting, they have been following Moses. I mean, you know, Moses, he was the hero of the faith, right? Still is. Again, the one who stood up to the powers that be, the one who confronted the world that was so wrong. The one who led the people, the one who received the law, the one who saw God in a burning bush. So they had been following Moses, and here comes Joshua. That had to be something of a letdown. And yet, it's not the leader that the people are following. It's the Ark of the Covenant. The people are following God himself. And again, we see how God's word transcends time and space and even person. God's people are following God. God's people are being obedient to the call that God has placed on them collectively. Not any one person, but the whole of those whom God has called together, the whole of whom God had formed covenant with. We see at the very beginning of chapter 3 and and, um, verse 3, God will be carried before you in the symbol of the Ark of the Covenant. And when you see the Ark of the Covenant, then you move. When you know that it is God in front of you, when you know that it is God who's leading you, then get up, people of God. And put one foot in front of the other. Get up, people of God, even though the waters of the Jordan are raging before you. Get up, people of God, follow that ark, because God's going to do wonders in your midst. I love it. You know, God orchestrates another crossing of a body of water just to bring it home that this is God acting. Not Moses, not Joshua, not the Levitical priest. This is God who pulls back the waters. Follow. And that's what we continue to do, is it not? We continue to ready ourselves, to position ourselves, to be who God has called us to be so that we can continue to follow God, so that we can continue to witness and to bless this world. That's why God got this whole thing started in the first place, right? The covenant of God began so that God could bless his people so that his people could be a blessing for the world. That's how it all started. And generation after generation after generation, we follow God. And God is who makes a way. And God is who has promised us his presence. And God is who has promised us a future for his sake. When you see the ark of the covenant of of the Lord, get up and follow God is the primary actor, and he sees fit to bring us along. And that's gift. That's blessing. That's getting to be a part of what God wants in this world. Now, God initiates, right? God is in charge. We are following God, but we have a part to play. It's one of the reasons I love this text. We have a part to play in our getting up and in our following, and and it. Joshua, are we here right off the bat what that is? Joshua said to the people, 
Once you see that ark passing before you, Joshua says, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That's our part. That's who we are called to be. That is how we begin to position and ready ourselves. That's called sanctification. It simply is a big churchy word that means set apart. That means set aside to bear witness, to act in accordance with God and God's wisdom in this world. Sanctified means aligning ourselves, being where the action is, taking part in what God is doing, and being prepared to take the next step because we can't go far if we don't get prepared. Now, of course, in that day when Joshua was speaking to his people, sanctification came through the law. Do this. Thou shalt not do that, right? Very important, very part of who God had set his people apart to be. Absolutely. But as time went by and we ebbed and flowed with faithfulness and unfaithfulness, with sin and challenge and victory, as we went on through history, God realized that we couldn't sanctify ourselves on our own. In come Christ. In come the power of the Holy Spirit. In come this God three in one that we now follow. And when God calls upon us to be sanctified, to sanctify ourselves, God is simply saying, align yourself with the Holy Spirit. Align yourself with what God is doing in and through you by the power of the Spirit. Because this is how we proceed. This is how we, as God's people called the church, will move forward. We'll be part of what God is doing in this world. Sanctify yourselves, be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Align yourselves, position yourselves, be ready spiritually and physically, materially. What are your priorities? How is it that you plan for this future, fund this future? Like I said, I'm getting there to commitment. I'm getting there to the finances. But it's a spiritual act. Sure, we have a budget. Sure, we have challenges. Sure, we have bills to pay. But this act of giving for God's people is all just part of readying ourselves and positioning ourselves and this church to follow wherever it is that God would lead. To follow wherever it is God has that next step for us to be ready so that when God acts and moves in our midst and walks ahead of us, we are able to follow. That's what it's all about. That's the life of a disciple being ready in body, spirit, soul. When when we began this stewardship time together, we um, considered Romans 12.1. And quite simply, that says, present yourselves as a holy and living sacrifice to God. All in, right? Present yourselves as a holy and living sacrifice. Are we all in? Because it takes nothing less. Are we all in? Are we all committed? Are we all ready to align ourselves, to position ourselves, to get in the right place spiritually, literally, and more? Are we ready? To follow as God leads. Now, I don't usually give uh, negative examples, but I'm going to give one here. In case you didn't know, Duke University is not a football school. 
Surprise, right? Yeah. In the ACC, they sometimes give just barely even a nod to the SEC. So yesterday, I, I was watching the LSU game, Kelly, Kyle, the LSU and the Alabama game yesterday, and I got a call from a sweet student at Duke University asking me for money. Now, nothing wrong with that, right? Duke has a billion-dollar budget. They, they're looking for money. She uh, suggested that maybe it would go towards scholarships for kids. Nothing wrong with that. We need to support education, no doubt. But she called during the game. <laughs> and I, you know, moved the conversation along. No, I'm not going to give $10 a month, even if I can charge it to my card once a month. No, I'm not going to do that. I, I need to go in a minute. I got other things to do. Can you just cut to the chase? And she did. How about a one-time gift of $10, she said. Okay, I can do that. She said, how about this one-time gift of $10? Because if you give even just $10, then we get to log you as being a supportive alumni. And being a supportive alumni makes all the difference when applying for grants and other monies and, and so forth and so on. So she was very specific. Just give me $10 and we get to make record of it. That's not what the church does, people. That's not why we give to make record of it. That's not why we give to look good to those outside around us in order to, to gain maybe more support. That's not why we give. We give, quite frankly, to position ourselves to be ready for what it is God calls us to do. To be ready for whatever it is God calls us to, to, to be. To position ourselves so that even when we have to walk on dry ground through a river that we think might overflow us any minute, to position ourselves so that we have the faith to be true disciples. That's what all of this is about. That's who the people of God are. How is it that we align ourselves with what God wants to do? How is it that we position ourselves, find ourselves in the right place at the right time with the right resources to be faithful to the call of God? That's what this is about. This is about discipleship. This is about being at pivotal moments in history. This is about our mission to transform the world and it takes everybody. It takes all of us. Getting ready, getting in position, riding ourselves so that we may take the next step. And a step after that and a one after that. God goes before us. God goes with us. I think God even nudges us from behind. May we be found faithful. Amen. And let me pray. Gracious God, what a privilege to be counted as your son or daughter. What a privilege, what an opportunity, what a responsibility. God, help us. You have provided over and over again. God, help us to respond to the blessings you have bestowed on us so that we as your people, as they always have, can be a blessing to the world around us. Help us to be ready Lead us forward. Amen. Now, I'm not sure that Pineville is the promised land.
It's a great place to be. And it is the spot that God has given us. The spot that God has provided so that we may ready ourselves to follow wherever it is he leads. It's the spot that God has given us to receive blessing and to be blessing. It's this place where we are called to get ready. Go forth by the power of the Spirit, knowing that it is God who leads us. Be ready to respond. Amen.